Okay. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to uh, the fifth edition of On the Couch. <laughs> so we have with us today Alexander Clark, who was due to come and do a uh, workshop and come and look after me while I did a competition in June. So what we decided was that instead of him being here in person, we'd have him on well I've got we're on zoom actually so hopefully yeah. um we'll be able to to show the video which will be hilarious no doubt um <laughs> standing here so welcome Alex thank you for joining Hello, us Samantha how are you doing I should explain that Alex is the only other person other than my mum who calls me Samantha so he only gets away with it because he's bigger than me <laughs> yeah and it's a novelty to me because you're one of the poshest people I know <laughs> It's true. I'm, I'm posher than the queen, as we've discussed before. <laughs> okay, so I thought we'd just kick off with, how, with what's going on at the moment. Obviously, we've got COVID-19 everywhere. So I wanted to get your view on how you're coping. Obviously, you've got a young family um, and obviously training and things like that. How are you coping? Um, so for me, honestly, I know it's going to affect so many people in very different ways. Um, I think that's the important thing to remember for everyone. Um, and for me, it's honestly, life has not changed that much. Uh, I, I rarely see people anyway. I have a very small group of friends. Um, all my coaching bar three regulars, kind of uh, two more semi-regulars is online. Mm. So um, the other business, I run British Strength Magazine, that's online too. Um, it's a good job that I have pictures ready for upcoming issues and stuff, so I don't need to go and take, you know, pictures of yeah, people. Yeah, for sure. Um, things like that, yeah. So for me, being in, one, a demographic that is considered, quote-unquote, safe, mm. um, I guess that's a primary bit that I'm, you Are know, you quite if I would... Go on, sorry. If I or we were to get mm. COVID, then we'd be considered safe. Um so yeah, not being a very social person and not having work affected too much. Yeah, a couple of clients have dropped off, sure. Everything's pretty much the same. Um, my friend and I were talking the other day and um, he joked that I didn't even know that there was a lockdown. <laughs> I've noticed the difference. And you, I think where, where you live, because is it Darwin in just Darwin, North Manchester? Yeah. So yeah. You're, it's quite remote anyway, is it? Quite, I get the feeling it's quite sort of... Yeah, it's somewhat rural. I mean, um, five minute drive away from me is uh, two big reservoirs, which is where you'll probably see, like, you know, on my story, I always post a little pictures of where I've walked around. Um, sure. Yeah, there are some very remote villages near me. Uh, I, I basically live halfway up a hill. And at the top of that hill is something called Darwin Tower. Um, and that's like, uh, it is that, again, that's, that's a remote area. You've got like little farmhouses on the side of the, this hill, like surrounded by nothing really. It's not the most remote place you could be because it does have a town centre and it's quite busy there, but it has its remote aspects to it. Yeah. And I like it that way. Yeah, I think, um, well, we're in Wiltshire and obviously it's fairly similar here. We're quite in quite a low hit area. I believe um and uh yeah we've, we're very open to countryside so it's it's fairly easy to go about your normal day you know you can take uh cv activity and go out and have a run walk or whatever and mm -hmm. not not interrupt too many people so that's good so your training is pretty much as it was prior to lockdown then really yeah i completely forgot to mention i train out of my garage right so 
um, that's within walking or cycling distance of my house. So therefore I don't contravene any of the laws. Um, so I, I walk to my garage every day and I train there. Yeah. Excellent. And so and you've got all your bits and pieces and anyone who follows you on Instagram will see yeah. that your, your training is pretty much going. And, and I suppose with all the competitions and everything, uh, we'll get into a little bit more about what you've, what you've done and what you're looking to do, but you've got nothing on the horizon, I guess, at the moment. So is, are you just sort of training in? Are you in a sort of... Yeah. Um, basically, I did have something on the horizon. I actually woke up this morning and I put one of those Instagram countdowns on my story a few months ago. Okay. It was for the BPF British. Oh, no. And I didn't even realize, but I'd, I would have been a week out today. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and it said you are one week away from the BPF British and um, <laughs> no and I've come honestly I've kind of completely forgotten about it um I said this another day the other day on a podcast that I was uh, on um basically honestly I'm prepared for the fact that I just won't be competing for the rest of the year mm. I hope that's not the case because I know people who are involved in uh, what's called Fit Expo Right, which yeah. is a big fit, fitness, fitness expedition, uh, ex, exhibition, sorry, expo, whatever <laughs> it stands for, in Liverpool. Um, and it's got all things. It's not just powerlifting. It's, you know, bodybuilding. It's fitness. It's CrossFit. It's blah, blah, blah. Like body power, um, I Yes, like body power, but more grassroots. Okay. Trying to make the experience better for people. Um, and I know people involved in the expo, and I know people involved in organizing the GPC Pro, which is what I would have been competing at. Both are going to be massive as long as they go ahead. So I hope they go ahead mainly for the organizers, to be mm, honest, um, yeah. because I'd hate it for hard it to work. be postponed because my friend's hard work and whatnot. Um, but if it's not on, I'm happy to just carry on building a base yeah. um, because when we volume train as powerlifters, i.e. do longer workouts, higher reps, stuff like that, what we're doing is building a base. Um, and I think it's important for me as a principal to focus on – um, building qualities that make me better rather than focusing on the competition. So if I focus on the qualities that I'm improving rather than the competition that I'm going to be doing, mm. um, I think that that's just, that's my motivation there, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, can I just take you back one step then and talk about uh, what you've done? Because obviously you've had quite a different journey. You started off as a bodybuilder, you've come into powerlifting. Can you give us a bit of an intro as to what you've done, what you've won? Show yeah. off a bit. You know you love to. Okay. <laughs> right. um, okay. I am 30 years old now. I started weight training when I was 13. Um, I'm going to try and give you like the, the short... Yeah. The short version of the story. How 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 long are you like planning for this podcast to go uh, on for? You can go on forever. People, yeah, it's fine. Okay, right. Go into depth. Start, it- started weight training when I was thirteen years old. Um, I was inspired by being sat in the cinema uh, amongst lots of other young kids my age. Um, and Triple X was on the Vin Diesel film. Vin Diesel takes his top off. The woman in the film reacts very favorably to this. Um, yeah, she was, she was definitely she was definitely pleased with what she saw. And then the girls who sat with me, they all gasped. So, of course, very next morning, I went to the gym before it opened. Um, it, was a, it was largely a martial arts center that I'd gone to do kind of. I did kickboxing for a couple of years when I was a kid. Um, there, but they had a weights area on, on the very top floor. Um, and that was where I trained originally. Um, it was kind of on and off though, because 
think back then people tell you lots of horror stories when you're a kid about weight training stunts and your growth. Um, something maybe that story you you come into contact with in, in your line of work, maybe. I don't know, maybe, you know. I don't see a lot of um, a lot of kids these days really into weight training. Not that young, anyway. I, I don't, certainly. I, I th- I gyms are a bit different now. You can't get in. Like, our gym, you can get into 16, 18 years old. So there may be, that might be part of it, you know, that actually yeah. um, uh, the access to it is less. So. Yeah. Um, I guess what I was getting at is a lot of the time, like, parents will be concerned about their kids starting too young. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I was told that and I, it, it's kind of scared me away from it, uh, for a little time. Um, but then I returned to it like proper when I was 15, inspired by Arnold's book. Actually, originally wanted to get into powerlifting, but I didn't really know what powerlifting was. Um, and at that time in 2003, it was all, no, not 2003, 2005, it was all equipped. There was no raw powerlifting, really. Um, so it became very difficult to understand. Like I was trying to read a couple of articles on bodybuilding.com, which is where articles for powerlifting and bodybuilding were at that time. Mm. Um, maybe there were some powerlifting sites that I didn't know about. But um, I just couldn't get the access to powerlifting. I just couldn't really understand it. Whereas when I saw this book by Arnold, Ed- Education of a Bodybuilder, um, became really appealing. Uh, the physiques of the 70s were really nice. And yeah, less less big or just yeah like they didn't look muscle bound no. they looked um achievable they looked like they were living a lifestyle that was um conducive to having fun again the men were always surrounded by women um arnold was always surrounded by women and um i thought you know as a, as a very kind of uh naive 13 year uh, 15 year old boy at the time i was like right okay this is what i want to do and i read the book and it just captivated me i read it in like two evenings after school i was like right this is what i want to do with my life i decided very young that i wanted to be a pro bodybuilder didn't really know what that entailed or or really what it was because it didn't translate to today's idea of pro bodybuilding really the 70s was so different obviously that, that's what i was reading about um but I always liked the freaks and I was always probably uh, with my genetics kind of to be quite a big guy uh, gonna end up as that type of physique anyway um, so probably I was probably more suited to modern bodybuilding but uh, in the end probably competed a, a year after that uh, one year after starting bodybuilding so I competed when I was 16 um, and and then I just kind of competed from from then on for like six years um every year bar one so i did like 12 comps and in total it takes a long time to prepare for each each season that you do right it's probably a minimum of 12 weeks dieting um down from the off-season state uh and then i I did okay i mean i reached the uk bff british finals three times um and that in and of itself is not too easy to qualify for uh i think qualifying for a british finals or even an international in powerlifting is way easier so I didn't do too badly, but I I think if I would have stretched my outer limits, I could have turned pro in bodybuilding. Okay. But I started to realize that it might not have been what I wanted, especially when I came uh, to try powerlifting. Um, in the middle of a bodybuilding off-season, um, it was a long off-season after I'd done my last comp and I hadn't done as well as I wanted. I was firmly out of the juniors then and I, it was time to really go into open competition. So it meant putting on a lot more muscle tissue. Okay. Um, and I think maybe subconsciously I was fighting myself to do that because you know I was already big. 
And then, what did you weigh then? In my bodybuilding off seasons, um, I weighed anywhere in between like, I think I got up to 20 and a half stone, which was probably my heaviest, which is what, like 130-ish kilos, Okay. I think. Yeah, 130-ish kilos. So you're about the, about the, what are you, 120, I only know because you um, put something on your story the other day. So 100. Yeah, I'm like 124 now. One, yeah. two, four now. They're not different. Uh, in better. Okay. Pardon? I was going to say not necessarily different in weight, but just because I was thinking how much bigger would you need to be to put that muscle on? Yeah. But I guess it's when you strip it all back and when you diet down and to expose it, I guess, is, is where yes. you... Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, I think, you know, I was having some issues with, with my back and I have scoliosis, which some of your patients might be able to relate yeah. to. Um, and, you know, I, I was wondering how much more, much more strain is this going to put on my scoliosis? That was probably my primary concern of getting heavier because it was just, it was bothering me like daily, daily. Mm. And I mean, not that it wouldn't bother me now, um, but more that I've learned to live with it a bit more, um, the kind of the back pain that I get. Um, so I was on an R and all year, hadn't really made much progress. And then my friend said to me, my good friend, um, he said, Alex, why don't you just try some heavy as, you know, can I swear? Um, yeah, go on. <laughs> if you don't want me to, I won't. You have to put, I'm new to this podcast thing. So you have to put an E. Would we get more yeah. listeners if we had an E next to them? <laughs> or, or maybe Ooh, I, I should know. put a warning in case some parents are listening to it oh. with their literally's about i don't know <laughs> right. so That's what you have to put, I'm trying to do is i'll try not to swear for the ton. rest Pardon? <laughs> a what? shed load or, or flipping lots <laughs> yeah i uh, i can't even remember what i was going to say so you had to put a lot more weight on i think or so you'd have to put yeah. a lot more something you were gonna because i think you were yeah, gonna he, he he said why alex why don't you just start training as heavy as hell yeah and, um, <laughs> so, and I, I i was like you know what I kind of tried everything else because I, I was more about, you know, contracting the muscle and making, um, using perfect form, things like that. Sure. And I don't think he knew what he was talking about. In fact, I'm pretty sure he didn't. But my first protocol in my mind was, okay, I want to do some powerlifting. And luckily then I knew a woman called Tanya George and a man called Paul George. Tanya George is, uh, well, they're both my good friends. Uh, Tanya George at the time. Um, was preparing to be the first woman in the UK to sort of 500 kilos raw. So, and Paul George had just left an IFBB professional bodybuilding career uh, to go on to powerlifting. So they were they were bang into it then. Um, both big names, aren't they? Pardon? They're both big names. Yeah, yeah. both big names. So um, I, I went in. I was I was already working at their gym, um, and I just inquired about you know. Tan, can you give me some coaching? Uh, we were able to barter because I had no money then. So I personally trained one of her clients when she couldn't make it a few times. So therefore, she gave me sessions in return. Okay. Um, and yeah, I just I just started doing a little bit of coaching. I, I worked my deadlift up from the first time I pulled sumo. I literally just tried it in the middle of a, of a back session, a bodybuilding back session. Um, I tried it in the, yeah. Tried it in the middle of a bodybuilding back session. Sorry, I was just getting distracted there. Um, and uh, I pulled 260 for two after not deadlifting for, you know, over 12 months because of my scoliosis. And I was like, okay, so I still have some strength. It was the first time I tried two more deadlifts. Um, and uh, yeah, and I went back to tell Paul. He was somewhat impressed. I mean, it, it's not... 
you know, it wasn't like a world record or anything, but, you know, he's, he saw that showed promise. Um, and then I worked that up, you know, with the help of Tanya's coaching and just as well doing it more uh, to a 300 kilo pull before my first competition ever. Um, did my first competition ever, like maybe three months after starting those sessions and, right. you know, incorporating more powerlifting into my training. I was still doing my bodybuilding training at the time. In fact, it's quite funny. On Tuesdays, I vividly remember I used to do an arms session at one gym in uh, in Berry called Silvers, where I'd done all my bodybuilding, and then I used to drive that night to Olympic and do a full squat session. <laughs> That's youth. That's youth for you. Could that you, is youth. I don't know if I could. Now? Well, pardon. Could you do that I, now? Could I do that now? Yeah, definitely. I'm only thirty. I know I look <laughs> a lot older. People will be watching this, and if they had to guess who was older, they'd guess that I'm older, definitely. Oh, that's the first nice thing you've ever said to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I used to do that, and then first competition, basically, to cut a long story short, um, my my timekeeping hasn't always been great, so... uh, (laughs) That is a massive surprise to me. I know, right? I know. Who would have known that that was a thing? Yeah, you're just learning this now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, long story short, we got caught in some traffic going down to Birmingham to do my first comp. And uh, as a result, I missed the fucking squats. Lesson. Oh, no. I said the <laughs> F word. Uh. So I should, I, I could be, I have been told I look a bit like Susanna Reed. So maybe I could do some sort of um, thing where I say, I, 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 sorry, I do apologize for the, uh, the bad language on the. Um, on Is the... Susanna Reed a news reporter? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you don't, you could say, oh yeah, you do. <laughs> All right. Oh no, yeah. You, oh yeah, you do. I, I don't know. <laughs> sorry. I don't know who she is. It's fine. Actually, no, you have showed me a picture of her before. Yeah. It, you, we were at an event look, once and somebody said I think you look better than Susanna oh Reed. stop it um, <laughs> literally it's never this nice I can assure you <laughs> just get on with it stop moaning um, <laughs> I d- did so, I explain that you coached me I can't remember what I did so you didn't explain yeah, that did no. I not so sorry I should explain that Alex is my uh, powerlifting coach I do powerlifting and uh, Alex coaches me so he's generally very mean um, to me uh, or just not you're not mean actually just honest I just try to be as as straight down the middle and as factual as possible yes that is. Um, but I do realize that lots of different people need lots of different forms of reinforcement yeah positive negative uh, you do better with positive I um yeah, I do I try to chuck the positives in there I definitely do chuck them in there sometimes <laughs> you maybe don't see that I'm trying to be nice I yeah, don't know no I do no I do I'm just kind of joking really um, um okay so you got so we got to Missed my squats. Yeah. First comp was a push-pull comp by default. Um, so bench 155, missed 170. Um, just to give you a, some type of... Because, uh, I, I mean, I've benched 500 pounds now. I've benched 227. And my first comp, I, I missed 170. Um, deadlifted was, three... Was that because you... Nerves, competition? Because no, I couldn't do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um I, I failed I've failed it again since then. Wow, okay. Um and it took it took a while, but I've I built my bench up every year. Um and then deadlift wise, um I deadlifted 330.5 for a GPC British record, which is what it was at the time. Um in my first ever comp when I was 24, weighed in at 115. Wow. So the promise that I had 
was really in deadlifts. And then as the years went on, I, um, I competed in various other comps. I think the best comps really that I've won, um, I guess my accolades would be, um, I've won, uh, the Andy Bolton deadlift challenge, which is a big, pretty big comp last year. Um, I've won the GPC you, British in Pardon, what I pulled 385 kilos. Uh, I've won the GPC British uh, in my weight class three times. Um, I have won the BPU Raw overall British once, and I've won the WPC European Championships Raw overall. So I would say they're my best accolades. My best squat Raw is 310. That's without knee wraps or knee sleeves. Uh, my best squat with knee wraps is 335. So not that much more of a jump up, but I think I'm capable of more this coming time round. Um, and my best bench press is uh, 227 uh, pounds, at 227 kilos uh, raw. Okay, fantastic. Um, so I suppose we could touch, I want to touch on two things, and I don't know which order to do it in, but maybe um, let's touch on Thor's deadlift last night then. So yeah. what are your thoughts? My thoughts, honestly, um, extremely impressed by it yeah but not shocked by it like i was with ed's looked so easy didn't it yeah like, oh he had I've, more there he had more i've made 110 look harder than that <laughs> yeah he's um he's an extreme oh i don't even want to say freak of nature because it's just it's just who he is it's just who he is he's yeah, you know he, he always had the ability to train and, and do that and he's probably capable of more in the future yeah. you know that that wasn't the outer limits of his potential um eddie hall when he did it he did you know thor you saw the did you see the live stream yeah, yeah. thor made the comment after he said not only did i pull it but i feel great afterwards so i think yeah. that was maybe a little bit of a dig at ed saying that <laughs> with the blood know, coming I, out of his eyes yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah i feel um it was great impressive yeah. but i think ed's ed's really ed's courage to push his body to those limits even though it wasn't healthy um i think that really stamped a mark on it and everyone will remember ed's way more than they remember remember thor's let's probably thor, give it go on yeah, i was just gonna give thor it some would... oh, <laughs> i'll go so i was just gonna, just gonna give it some framework because some people might not I realized yeah. that so um eddie hall set the world record of 500 kilos when was that 2015 20 Ooh, might have been 2016 2016 17 yeah so he pulled 500 kilos which is, is that a thousand eleven hundred pounds, pounds. Mm -hmm. so that's over a ton obviously so yeah. um and thor lifted last night 501 kilos which is a little bit like <laughs> but and in very different situations so given that we've got COVID-19 going on obviously yeah. he lifted in effectively a gym environment um versus yeah. Eddie's you know stadium events which um which is which is I think those two that fact has got to be taken into account oh, absolutely because there's been a there's been a, a big controversy leading up to it because a lot of people were saying that it shouldn't count as a record um because it's not done a competition environment mm -hmm. Personally, I do kind of agree with that because mm. in what situation can you ever set a record that isn't in a competition environment? Now, um, Thor's plates were weighed. They were calibrated plates. Yeah. Um, he did have a referee, a, a Giants Live um, qualified referee, which is like the Federation of the Strongmen, the Giants Live. 
Um, so yeah, I have no doubt that it was what it said it was, but mm. it's very the, much... um, we were talking in the, uh, we have a, a WhatsApp group for APT and we were talking in there last night about the, the park performance, they call it in, in football where, um, you know, you might, you might do something in training that you stick it on, on the football field and all of a sudden you, you can't, you know, you miss penalties, you know, it's those sorts of things. It's the added environment factor that makes the difference. Not being able to get to the losers easily, not being able, you know, the yeah. <laughs> little things that we've, you know, you and I have both been in competitions where yeah. it's not, you don't get necessarily, I suppose they probably would have preferential treatment, but there are things that are beyond your control that in a gym environment, you have full control over everything. And then you stick it in a, in a competition environment and you lose yeah. an element of control. Yeah. As well, Thor got to pick his attempts. Yeah. In Strongman, you don't get to pick your attempts. It's the, yeah. uh, it's the organizers, I believe. Um, I'm not a Strongman aficionado, but I know a bit. Um, and as well, the, the element of competition. Yeah. The element of trying to beat other people. He, he was literally going for one thing. So yeah. I, and the timing of it, you don't get to pick when you do the lifts. No. Um, so, I, you know, still I'm impressed by it. But it's I incredible. hope, yeah, I hope what he does is goes to a comp, beats it by more than 501, by more than 501. So it yeah. goes 510 or something like that and does it in a competition environment and yeah. stops all the naysayers. Yeah. and all the haters because i'm not being a, i'm not even being a hater to him i'm just no. literally saying what i think it is yeah absolutely and i think i don't think i mean i i personally i agree with you entirely i think it's um it's one thing i think if any anyone who's ever competed in anything knows that there's a very big difference between lifting in a gym and lifting in a competition there's just it's like apples and carrots isn't it? you can't compare the two yeah. so um yeah you can it it's a different environment but yeah there's some i saw eddie hall like are they going to do a fight or something now as well uh, yeah i don't know if the rivalry was was all um a big kind of hype. Uh, yeah a big hype up all along whether they were because i'd put out a youtube video where he was he was really vehemently against this happening mm. because he said that thor had disrespected him time and time again okay. said that he kept saying that he wanted he was going to do it, never did it. And, yeah yeah um and now they're going to do a boxing match, and that is definitely for publicity. Um, neither of them are boxers. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, I think, um, you know, I often struggle to, to follow boxing because, because of how quickly the punches are thrown, and I, I struggle to see if someone lands a punch. Think you'll be right at with least one. with this fight, at least I'll be able to follow it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest boxers in the history of boxing. Yeah, they're a big... Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen um, Eddie in training doing a bit of boxing, and he's quick. I mean, I've seen him swim. Have you ever seen Eddie Hall swim? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. yeah. He is incredible uh, swimmer, but um, to watch somebody that size move that quickly... But I was listening, um, so I, we could, we're just chatting now, we're not, <laughs> not even doing a podcast. Um, but I was, just, I was what, um, listening to one of your podcasts, actually, because Alex has, uh, as you alluded to earlier, British Strength Magazine is a magazine for powerlifters, obviously. Mm -hmm. But also, you, and alongside that, you run the British Strength Magazine or British Strength Podcast. British Strength Radio. British well. Strength Radio. Yeah, get that right. So and some fantastic guests on there. What have you got about? 20 30 podcasts on there now 30 episodes now yeah yeah 30 episodes so if you're interested do, do have a listen um you would listen it was it chloe you just interviewed and you Chloe would, brennan yeah yeah talk, she's english england's strongest 
woman, woman and yeah. she's, what, yep. she's just a baby as well and she's 24 yeah. um but yeah talking about strongman and the and the differences between uh and the athleticism that uh the strongmen because I, I i agreed with what you said about powerlifting um can often be because it's quite a static sport it's quite easy to get into that sort of you know i'll often think that I perhaps should concentrate on a little bit more athleticism as well, which is exactly what, you know, you look at strong, strong women, strong men, and the, the speed element is to run with weight is, is really big, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, you do some things occasionally like uh, farmers watch and you're training, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I guess it's moving weight and those are, but those are definitely the harder things like anything where you are having to, you know, both systems, I guess, are being involved, aren't they? Um, yeah. So Especially with stuff like the yoke, because yeah. these strongmen are, are doing like, I don't want to butcher this, but like 500, 400, 500 kilo yokes, yeah. maybe more, I'm not sure. Um, so not only do you have the compressive forces on your spine, that involves yeah. having to run with it. Oh, I know. That's crazy. <laughs> it is mad. Um, so I wanted to touch uh, a little bit, just because I think people would find interesting, um, you know, I think bodybuilding, for example, and I wanted to talk about that because I think people look at bodybuilding with a sort of, there is an element of why on earth would you, would you do that? And B, I mean, A, that was A, why would you do it? But B, um, I don't think people fully understand the dedication that it takes to, to, to strip down your body to have such a low body fat that those muscles are revealed in the first instance. So if, could you talk about bodybuilding diet maybe a little bit and and the discipline required for that sort of thing because you are a machine with with food i've never yeah. you have zero emotional attachment to food i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you you're right for the most part you're right definitely um so yeah since, since i've been 15 i've been like that though because i was told that i had to be like that so it's become very much a habit um bodybuilding diet um so back from when i used to do it you pretty much had a standard of six meals a day um so cat or a child <laughs> cat, she's trying she's trying to get out of the door i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna let her out in a second okay you can sneaky oh bless her um <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yeah um it was pretty much a standard of six meals a day um it was you know all the things that you used to hearing about. So chicken, broccoli, rice, mm -hmm. that was pretty much a standard bodybuilding diet. It's kind of changed a bit now because, you know, people are realizing that you can get into contest shape without doing those exact foods. But um, I probably took in, you know, uh, 5,000, 5,500 calories in the off season. I probably got a lot fatter than I needed to get. Um, but eating was a constant struggle all off season um, because Again, like you say, I have no emotional attachment. I probably had, probably some emotional attachment would have been good because I would have been able to actually make the food palatable to the point where, oh, I enjoy eating this. And then I wouldn't have got those, you know, terrible dips in appetite, which just made every day like hellacious, right. big hellacious battle. Um, so yeah, there's, there's the off season, which is that where you are trying to add muscle, you're trying to be in a caloric surplus. Um, and you know, the only way to add muscle is really to be in a caloric surplus. Um, and then there's a pre-contest, which you're going to start probably, I would say on average for most guys, 10 is a very short pre-contest, uh, and 20 to 24 is a long one. Um, and then that's gradually reducing your calories. You're not necessarily changing the foods that you eat. 
but you're cutting down the calories gradually as the um, bodybuilding prep, you know, goes on. Uh, You're increasing your cardiovascular activity. You may even increase your weight training activity just to all burn more calories to put you more in a calorie deficit so that you're able to get your body fat down to, you know, what what you're aiming for really is about three, four percent. Wow, that's um, when you think the I, average, average person is about well, average male is what fifteen to twenty. Yeah, is that right. I would and then say so, yeah, twenty Something to like thirty. Yeah, and then I mean, I pro, I I don't think I ever got to three four percent. Maybe I got to five six at my best. But even so, that's kind of acceptable stage condition. Um, so in the latter part of the so when you're you know about like three or four days out. Is as opposed to five thousand calories, you're consuming what ten? Uh, you know, for me, I've taken this down to like seventeen hundred. You know, wow. as a hundred and ten kilo guy, sometimes at the time, yeah, uh, seventeen hundred calories. I'm doing two hours of cardio a day, some mm-hmm. of it intense cardio and weight training. You must have been very not grumpy. Oh, really grumpy, really grumpy. And it affected my sleep as well. Um, I'm going to let the cat out. Yeah, do that. I... The sneaky's going to do an act, have an accent on the floor. Would you like to see her? Yeah, let's see Sneaky. Sneaky. <laughs> For those of you who are just listening, Alex has gone to get his cat. <laughs> I think... No. Is he... Is she, oh, she's not having any of it. No. She's, she's like, get me out. If she wanted to be out. I think maybe she, she might have needed a wee or something. So, <laughs> okay. because, because I have this, I wasn't, you know, trapping her. Um, I had this door locked just so that no one could come in and ruin the podcast. Yeah, fair I'm enough. She was in here and I didn't realize. Are you in the loo? <laughs> what door I, has a lock on it? Oh, okay. No, 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 no. I, I didn't. I, I've propped a chair up against the door because oh, okay. otherwise, <laughs> like, Toddlers can come in and things. Yeah, can't they? I know. Yeah. I, I've, well, as you can tell, I'm at work. So it's um, hopefully. We won't get interrupted by too many. It's it's quite quiet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So bodybuilding diet. Let's. uh, What? What else? I was going to talk to you. Okay. So powerlifting novices. um, Again, you know, you people who might look at at what we do and think, okay, yeah, I would like to train that. Particularly, I think runners. For example, we have a lot of runners who are clients, and uh, they look to it's becoming much more trendy to include some fairly decent weight in yep. um and that and if if by any chance any pat runners were to you know jump over to the other side and look at powerlifting what would be your advice in the sort of how would you get your foot in the door as, as it were or men and women you know so we're talking about just starting powerlifting Absolute as opposed start to out. powerlifting as a as to, to aid running now yeah no yeah just literally as, as to kind just of go no, i'm not going to run anymore i'm going to shift over you know for whatever reason and, and look at powerlifting or lifting strength training what would you where would you start yeah. first of all good choice good decision um you never see a happy runner do you you never <laughs> see them smiling um, um <laughs> and you get to eat loads of food <laughs> yeah <laughs> powerlifting not necessarily bodybuilding but um my my first my first protocol would be technique okay and not even not even just in terms of technique to make the lifts more efficient to make them stronger but technique uh in terms of satisfying the the referee's criteria on yeah. a any given powerlifting competition mm-hmm. um 
one of my favorite things that Tanya said on your on the podcast Tanya George said was um that it is your job to make sure that you, the referee sees the uh the technique it's not the referee's job to look for it so yes. I've always I always have that in my head that you know it's my job to make sure that I'm squatting to depth that the deadlift is correct that the form is correct because the dead the referee should be just there to go tick rather than you know looking out for you doing it correctly so i yeah and you absolutely. always do a very good job Bless you. i i'm a bit yeah, of a pedant you... for form as it, i think that you and i agree very much so on the you know i i'm in a good federation for it being <laughs> quite a yeah. pedant. My federation british powerlifting they won't accept anything less will they yeah. and um you being a bit of a, perfe a perfectionist a quite highly driven woman um i think that it's just it's only natural that you're going to yeah, but I, I think it's that perfect form. But even from a from a therapist's point of view, if you are not performing the 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 lift to the correct with the correct technique, you're just you a aren't going to engage the right muscles, so you're not going to grow the right muscles, and b you're, you're more likely to suffer an injury anyway because the yes. smaller muscles will take yes. over, yeah. and we see it all the time. So yeah, so um, so other than that, making sure that technique is right, so that's going to lead on to you probably therefore want to contact a coach. Um, I'd say for a very novice, um, an in-person coach mm. um, would be a very good idea. Um, even not to plug it too much because we don't know when it's going to be. But if someone were to come to the workshop, which we will end up doing, yeah. um, I'd be more than happy to, well, I will um, go through people's technique with them in person. Um, so you want to have a good phase of just, if you've never done this before, just going through technique, you know, several times a week, mm -hmm. because even that is going to add volume to your training, volume being weight times sets times, uh, times weight. Sorry, mm -hmm. no, no. Weight times <laughs> sets times, weight times sets times reps, and that's going to equal your volume. Um, and thereafter, when, you know, you, you're transitioning, you've started to go on a, a program which is, based towards you know strength and, and things like that and once you've actually started to you know prep for a competition after that your first competition really honestly is it's not about being the you know winning first time off it's um maybe yeah. if you have a look yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen generally unless you are yeah, generally it's not yeah. there's you know the you know there might be one in a hundred people who who you see who are who are just great from the offset um, and they're the genetic freaks amongst us and there's nothing wrong with that but um, you might look at your qualifying totals and you might find out that you're of a standard that you know you might qualify for a British mm. um, so that might be your goal starting off first time um, not necessarily but if it is even then you want to focus on getting 27 white lights on the day there are three white lights awarded for each lift and there are three attempts at each, the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift, hence how you get to 27 white lights. Nine lifts, three white lights for each. So yeah. you want it, that's what your goal wants to be for your first competition, really. Um, so really, yeah, my, my first main priority is hammering in the technique. If you've never weight trained before, just doing some form of technique work is your best start uh, with a barbell. And then aside from that, because... <clears throat> What I would tend to have a person doing, as well as the technique work, I wouldn't have them doing assistance exercises because they're not at a level where they need assistance work yet. Instead, I would have them doing some bodybuilding stuff. Yeah. Because the, the fastest way is to get better or start really nailing your technique. Practice, 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 just like with any sport. Skill acquisition is a big part of it. 
And then the second part is um, improving your work capacity. So that's going to be done um, by, you know, just adding more volume, you know, by these other exercises, these bodybuilding exercises. But of course, what the other thing they're going to give you is more muscle mass over time, of course. You know, you're not going to do them for two weeks and go, hey, I'm bigger now. Um, <laughs> well, you might. What? <laughs> What they will do is the cross-sectional area of a muscle, i.e. the size of a muscle, is directly proportionate to its ability to gain strength. So laying the foundations from the very start is is your most key points, yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay, thank you for that. Um, so there's two things. Again, I, I never know which order to put them in. How do you do that with your podcast? Like, I, with a natural flow, there's things I Not necessarily. I don't necessarily. No, because there's like two avenues I now want to explore and I don't know which way to go. So I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go performance enhancing drugs. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to talk about is obviously with bodybuilding and powerlifting, it's well known that some athletes use PDs, power, uh, yep. performance enhancing drugs. And it's quite, I, what I quite like about it, I, I personally don't, um, and I, but what I quite like about it is the honesty that the sport has around the use of it. And we kind of go, okay, so this federation is tested, this federation is untested, um, and there's a, you, you kind of, you know what you're dealing with. You know, I know that when yeah. competitions I go into, none of the other women are on, uh, are on um, steroids or anything, so we're all competing on an even playing field. Do you think that that's a better way? Well, I suppose it's inevitably yes, I guess. Um, But there are other sports who sort of edge around the edges of it, but have no no honesty about it. And so do you have a kind of view on that? Um, Yeah, I think it's a great thing for, for our sport to do that. Um, it's great to have the option, um, especially, you know, someone like me who's, who's come from bodybuilding where there was an untested and tested side. I chose the untested side. I would not then want to go into powerlifting and try to, if it, if it were drug tested, because I'd feel so morally wrong. Uh, right. I'd feel like I were cheating. Okay. So I can continue to give myself enhancement and push the limits of what the body's capable of mm-hmm. plus some. Um mm but without cheating, the, yeah. whilst being on a level playing field. Because you're, then, you're in amongst other people who are on exactly the same yeah. platform as you. Yeah. And I think for the tested side, I think that's great because it enables people to have two different avenues and to go on the tested side to really prioritize their health, mm. to not feel like they have to, in order to kind of compete with the upper echelons of the sport. Because the upper echelons of the sport are and that side of things generally clean um and you get more clean sport in um in countries which does have the untested option from what i can understand so for example i did a podcast with tony cliff um it was kind of one of the slightly earlier ones it might have been like episode 10 or 11 i think that might even be wrong but if you search around there it'll be there um and what he explained to me was the fact that the uk has this tested and untested option it makes it much easier to be a clean athlete without the temptation of cheating yeah. because most morally sound people, if they use steroids, any other performance enhancer will go into the untested. Yeah. And, and, there, is, and there are still some, I guarantee there are some guys and maybe some girls in the UK who are using like, obviously they are. 
um, because they will just have that thing of, I guess they will justify it to themselves by going, because you'll hear people say, oh, they're all on it. All the IPF athletes are on it. Now, right. I don't even know if that's true even to an extent. I just don't know. Yeah. Um, I would like to think it's not, and I would like to think, think these amazing strength feats are all natural. natural. So I say innocent until proven guilty, generally, you know. Um, unless you've failed a drug test, you, you're clean to me, you know. Yeah. Um, but the, like I was saying, back to my point, the great thing about the UK is if you're a morally sound person, and you've got the option, you'll pick the right option. Um, and don't and you think, it means that UK has more clean sport. And don't you think also, I mean, one of the reasons I, I love the strength sports is that generally, because there's no real money in it, um, you are just judged by your peers generally. There's no, like, you know, if you get to the top of your sport, nobody makes a million pounds. So there's no motivation to cheat, really. For most people, there isn't. For yeah. most people, there is not. It's it's very strange, I think, in powerlifting when people do, mm. because I just struggle to see what they get out of it. Yeah, because you're being judged by your peers really more than anything else, aren't you? Not. Yeah. I do see though when 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 Tony was talking about that, going back to that, he was beaten by a guy called Mohammed Boufia, okay, and he was from Algeria. Now there was not the the untested side in Algeria, okay, um, certainly at the time, and basically he was getting a salary. For doing what he did okay so i'm definitely not justifying it here but Mohammed bufia was cheating for years okay mm. had his titles revoked and the reason he was cheating is because he saw that as the way to win within his federation and within you know the world affiliate the ipf but he had nowhere else to to do the the un, no the, the to do the, yeah so sure he's, he should have been clean he should have been clean there's no doubt about that mm. but he didn't have another option you didn't have an option, so you can see how in some countries mm. people will be tempted because and they do don't think, have the untested side. And that, and that, in some ways, sums up the other sports. You know, cycling's come under a bad rap, hasn't it? Mm. Um, and you can, I kind of feel like if uh, the reason people do it in our sport is because they want to push the above the natural abilities end of your body. And it's the same in cycling, in athletics, in whatever sport you're, you're just trying to push that extra thing to see what else can yeah. we get out of our bodies yeah. and so would it not make sense to almost have the same in every sport like go okay yeah. up to a certain point in natural this is your natural ability if you want to take performance enhancing drugs then here's your option you can go into this this affiliation and you can compete and do that i don't know yeah because i you know yourself you you you've worked and worked with a lot of athletes um you know if we if we go on to the thing that jordan peterson has kind of popularized quite a lot uh, the big five aspect scale so it's a personality scale and one of the one of the aspects of that is agreeableness okay and under agreeableness comes uh, the competitive side so if you're if you're low in agreeableness you're going to be highly competitive Okay. And that's what most athletes, all athletes have. Mm. Um, and if you have that competitive edge, I mean, there was a study, there was a study done on Olympic athletes where they were asked, I'm not going to get the exact details, right? If you could take a pill, mm. it would guarantee you uh, a gold medal within the next five years or something, but you would die, or you would take a certain amount off your life, mm. or you would die within the next five years, something like that a surprising, surprising amount said yes. Yeah, and that's the nature of athletes. I mean, I wouldn't even do it. 
I'm su- I'm I want to be really 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 good. I want to push my potential. But if I knew I was going to die from taking something now in five years, I wouldn't do it. So can you imagine how competitive these people are? But I think it's because they put their life into it. You know, if you've anything, you invest that amount of time in and that those, you know, you look at Eddie Hallwood again, for example, the sacrifices that he's had to make in order to be the person that he is, you know, the, the, the trade-off is so huge that I guess in that mindset, you're, you're willing to do anything. You have to do whatever it takes. Yeah, I personally believe that Ed would have taken that pill. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I'm not criticizing him as a person, but I think him, family and all, all the things he has to live for, I think he would have taken that pill. Yeah. I mean, I don't know him, so maybe it's wrong of me to say, but, and I would like to podcast with him one day, and maybe I'll ask him. Yeah, why not? He's probably kicking around at the moment. He's got not not a lot on, I don't expect. (laughs) I'm going to, I'll DM him today. I'll see. Whether that DM gets answered or even seen, I don't know, but... Mm. Yeah, it's uh, that that aspect of it is crazy. And I remember being a 16 year old. This is, I was hanging around the gym a lot when I dropped out of college the first time. Um, And I was told by a guy who worked at the gym, he said, if you want to be on that Olympia stage, you will have to take performance enhancing drugs young. Very irresponsible thing to say Mm. to a 16 year old, for sure. Yeah. Uh, to anyone really to encourage anyone to start you know i'd give the i'd give the information that i know to be right but i would never encourage one way or another in fact i would i would encourage away from it especially for female athletes but um i remember just being on on the metro going home um and i had the diana ball in my hand and it's just my curiosity that took over what's the diana ball Dan, oh, Dianabol. Um, yeah. That's a form of steroids. It's or, uh, oral steroids. It's um, little pills. Um, Dianabol is, I think it's the first steroid ever invented. Oh, okay. I thought when you said it first, I was thinking, I conjured up Princess Diana. I thought you said Diana ball. I thought a ball of Diana. <laughs> <laughs> well, she might have been after the crash. You never know. Yeah. Tell the queen. Tell the queen. I'm sorry for saying that. Yeah, you, she's already on the phone. She's texted me to say <laughs> that, that naughty man for up north. Um, okay, <laughs> talking about women, as we were just alluding to um, women and steroids and things like that. So, um, what, from your perspective, what is it like training females versus males? Do you see a difference? Do you treat them differently? Do you? you know do you structure their training schedules slightly differently or do you pretty much is it you know do you just look at the individual and disregard gender okay um i feel really for me a lot of it is in personality that i find the differ because um that the levels at which i've coached females and men kind of differ sure um the females I have found, I've taken a lot more females from more of a beginner uh, perspective. I don't, I've had more advanced females as nutrition clients okay. and more novice or like lower level intermediate as programming clients. So in that way, it's kind of hard to compare them like okay. from my personal experience. Um, but from what I've seen, linear progression has worked great. And then uh, for people like yourself, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the same exercises for quite a long time. Mm. Um, very, 
very similar to the comp variant. Um, if there is any variation, it's a very slight variation. You know, you might do a pause squat and that's enough variation. Um, and we tend to just kind of go from far out from a comp. Um, and once we've picked a date, we're going for high repetitions, quite a lot of sets, quite a lot of volume. Um, and we taper it down gradually. And that tends to be how I coach you. And I tend to, um, I tend to see how hard and how much you struggled with something as an indication of what we'll do the next week because I tend to program by the week. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like that just kind of yeah. uh, linear periodization has, has worked. And I mean, there are personality, I think it's very, I think you do have to do a lot more maintenance with female athletes. Okay. Um, a lot more kind of picking them up when they're down, yeah. um, things like that. And again, you know, you can't just put all the females in one box and say they're all the same. No. Age makes a difference. Personality make personality of the individual makes a difference. Um, you know, younger females will be, I find, a lot harder to um, maintain in terms of their motivation and their personality than older females. Mm. Um, yeah, you wouldn't look at a, um, you know, if someone you don't really take into account. So again, you know, I suppose I'm an, coming up into an older athlete. I'm masters already. In ten years, I'll be fifty-two. You know, you're looking at a, a fairly mature athlete, um, and a lot of our listeners will be in that sort of, uh, you know, thirty-five plus category. And certainly, I think strength training, for example, for women is so so important i'm i'm i wax lyrical about it all the time because it's it you know more women get osteoporosis men tend to die of heart attacks so we tend you know, we're sort of doing the wrong way you see yeah. men in the gym on the weight section and the women yeah. on the cardio machines yeah. and actually they should just switch places and do complete opposite yes. um so yeah. yeah i would add to just one thing to add just because um women are tend to be obviously smaller and not quite as strong naturally as men obviously mm. because of the hormonal base and the structural base that you start off with um i tend to find that maybe more frequent training and higher volume training women can tolerate higher volumes of it um now if you're ex because less of an impact is exerted by each session so they can tolerate more um so as you become bigger and stronger you tend to be able to tolerate less volume um and less frequency okay so um that's, so men that's would probably, train harder less yeah, yeah harder and less frequent yeah. harder and less frequently um that tends to be kind of what you see but then again if someone's highly adapted mm. then they can do quite a lot of volume quite a lot of frequency i mean at the moment like for me i'm doing quite a lot of volume but not a lot, lot not a lot of super high frequency i think that's you know quite a lot of volume per session and volume in the week but I'm still only doing everything kind of twice, you know, okay. sometimes once if it's in the case of squats, but that's because of my knees. So yeah, you have to look at the individual. Okay. Um, the last thing I want to just touch on actually is again, trying to bring it full circle and pretend I had a structure to this whole interview and um, talk around in your last or your latest edition of British Strength Magazine available. I think if you just... What do you, do go to BritishStrengthMagazine.com. Go to BritishStrengthMagazine.com and subscribe. Mm -hmm. 
you alluded to also tattooed and strong is a massive competition um that was on when was that on Fe- february uh, right at the start of march right at the start of march and um you alluded to how at the after you unfortunately it was painful watching it was like watching my son yeah. lift uh you missed out on king of the deadlifts which is a, a, a title that is available um at that competition yeah. and was won by the lovely lawrence um and uh after that competition you had quite a quite a low you, you came down quite yeah. hard you crashed quite hard after that competition and i think it would be quite helpful for people to hear particularly now where a lot of people are feeling quite low um you know they're they're missing out on their day-to-day lives and all that sort of thing um and how and to also the motivation to train the motivation like it's okay to go out and do a walk but the actual motivation to have a structured training plan is really hard so drawing on your experience of hitting a bit of a low and and looking internally and looking what what were your thoughts after the competition how did you recover um Okay, so the day after, I'll kind of summarize. Um, I hit that 370, and all I focused on was the 385 after it that I didn't hit. Um, I failed it around the knee, um, which had happened before, and I felt like I hadn't progressed in over a year. Okay, um, and that's all I focused on for like the first day, and... I'd, I was really sleep deprived for that for that period as well. I just wasn't sleeping well, and it made me, you know, more negative in my approach, um, in my kind of perception of things. And I started to realize that I would have to start to see small improvements as wins. Okay. Um, I looked back at the three seventy, which I did get, and I was like, that was perfect. That was bang on. You might have even had the three eighty five that day, but maybe you got spooked. Mm. I said that to myself. Maybe there was just something that's one small thing away from nailing that 385 and making it move fast. Um, Something that we're working on now. I won't bore anyone by going into what it is. But (laughs) um, basically what what I kind of found from it is the summary being I have to focus on small improvements and look at this as a long-term thing. Okay, so um, a lot of guys around me are making massive, huge improvements. And who knows, they might make those huge improvements every year for the next 10 years. And I might, m- might make my small ones. And even though I'll be totaling absolutely loads, they might be totaling 1,500 kilos raw. The idea is that they probably won't. But that's because it's not what people tend to do. They either make a massive improvements for a couple of years or they make small improvements for 10 years. I realize that now I'm probably going to be the, the, the latter. I'm going to be the guy who makes small improvements, but that add up to a massive improvement mm. and that I will be in this for quite a good amount of time as my yeah. sport, because I can't see myself doing anything else now because I, I, even though I'm not only driven by competition and being the best, I do like to be at a high level of things and I like to give my all to each sport that I do. The problem is that if I were to take up another sport now, not that I want to, I, and what would it be? Like you're not what would it be? Oh, if I had to, oh, I'd played golf as a kid. Did I ever tell you how I used to play golf? No. I was really good at golf. Wow, what was scoliosis as well? Okay. I don't think I'd... Oh, sorry. You didn't have scoliosis at the time, sorry, did you say? Yeah, I didn't. Golf didn't cause my scoliosis, although it was quite funny. My dad, who he isn't 
he isn't this way minded. You know what I mean? The, the stuff he knows how to do very well, but he's not like uh, he's not a physio. He's not a, a, an exercise science person. He told me that if I were just to swing my club the other way, my scoliosis would go away. <laughs> it's not. You know, I've heard worse advice. <laughs> yeah, good point. You know, uh, but no, my, mine's structural. It's not. Um, it's not. What's the other one? Well, it's just sort of environmental, I guess, that you've you've caused it over a period yeah. of time. But yeah, no. Um, yeah. Thinking with with golf, you know, we've got that sort of that, um, coil effect through the spine. Yeah. Trying to create a coil. Yeah. Maybe that's why I was good at golf. Yeah, because it was like it just went in a coil. <laughs> it's already done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so no, I, I love golf though. Um, I would definitely play golf again, but I know that I would not ascend into the pro ranks, um, which is what I wanted to do as a kid. So it'd be a bit, it'd hurt. If I took took up golf again now, it would hurt. Um, you know what, one of the things that I was thinking of kind of doing on the side of this, just very small amounts is, um, starting some BJJ, some jujitsu. Okay. Yeah. Simply because like I wouldn't, I don't think I would take it up in terms of a full-time sport. Just, um, I think it just completes you as a person. It's more athletic, isn't it? More athletic, mm. and it's a way of defending yourself in uh, potential conflict. Yeah. Um, a way dis- of increasing confidence. Slightly different discipline as well, isn't it? You're being, I think, like one again, one of the reasons, probably you as well, but personally, I like the individuality of powerlifting that you are just answerable to yourself whereas i feel like in jiu-jitsu you probably you you have a an alignment to other people who are in your same squad or you know that you're competing with or there's you've got a responsibility to them more is that would that be fair i don't know i mean i did i i like i mentioned before i did a little bit as a kid i did a little bit of kickboxing i did a few years of judo as well um even though it's an individual sport, yes, it is more of a team sport. Mm, it's a squad mentality. You go into it? you go yeah, it's squad mentality, and you when you go into the practices, when you go into the classes, it's there are more people there. Yeah, you have to work together. You yeah. know, during training. Not really. Yeah, you can train to a certain degree on your own, but you do require other people. Yeah, and you've got um, your implement is always a person. Mm. Your implement is not a bar. No. You need someone there, and in certain instances, they need to cooperate to a certain extent. Yeah. to help you to learn mm. um, because if they don't cooperate you can't learn the techniques properly no for sure yeah and I think yeah it's funny isn't it I guess that is one of the reasons I, I I love what you know the sport that I've chosen is that exactly that and I quite like the fact that the bar doesn't add any variables so I quite like the fact that you know it's always the same the weight's always the same the bar's always the same there same. is the only difference is me and, and then I think that's that's the bit you can work on, isn't it? Rather than having the variables of, of the other human or the other members of the team. And maybe that's a quite a selfish way to think, but, um, but it suits a certain personality type. Yeah. Probably does like it. us, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and I think in the IPF as well, you, you pretty, you're, you're especially, um, what's the word? Um, privileged in that, your stuff really is the same because you've got certain approved equipment. Yeah. Yeah. You're I mean, a lot of the time in the GPC and BPU, it's the same as well, but sometimes in, in some of the untested feds, you get to some equipment and you're like, what the fuck is <laughs> where, this? Where have you got Sorry, this but from? you expect me to compete on this? You got it in a that sounds very sale. arrogant of me to say, but it's like I paid my fucking membership here. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah and but i think i mean running similar i think running and um you know some of the other swimming for example you know the environment is the same to a certain degree you know the water might be slightly different but yeah. the, you know you go running you challenge yourself with and i think in all honesty a lot of individual sports require that quite selfish mentality which isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just it is what it is um but yeah interesting um let me just check my list of questions make sure i haven't forgotten anything no i don't think so is there anything you wanted to anything i've forgotten i've forgotten anything um no i, I don't uh, think so yeah um, I think covered most things we've had a good old I, I almost i don't know I, I almost feel like i wish i know you're interviewing me but i almost feel like i wish i would, would have asked you more <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish you, I would have asked how you're doing during lockdown. Oh, bless you. No, I'm doing fine, actually. Um, yeah, it's uh, training is hard. And I, I'll probably perhaps talk about that for a second in that, you know, you've been, you know, have been great in setting a program, but it's so boring. And I know um, that if you can go out and run, I, I know, I know, sorry. Yeah, it, <laughs> you've been great in setting a program, but it's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, if, again, if you guys ever get the chance to listen to, there's another Tom Shepard talks, doesn't he, on um, yes. Naomi and Tom Shepard, absolutely incredible couple. Um, yeah. But listening to Tom talk about the, the different uh, neurotransmitters and the type, type of personality and things like that, I am not a volume person. I just do not like it. I, 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 I lose count after seven. I can't count past seven. I have pegs because I can't count reps. I can't count round uh, sets. I just, uh, my, it just, I have no desire. So you're a type one, right? <laughs> type one. Lift, go in, lift three times, walk out, go home. There we go, job done. So the question for you that, do you enjoy it more when we're in a peaking phase? Yes, much more. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like the 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 long. Ah, uh, just I come out. I end up coming out if I train in the garage now, and I come out of the garage about eighteen times. Going, it's never going to end. I'm still doing it. <laughs> so, okay, another question for you then. Um, would you prefer to do three sets of eight or eight sets of three? Uh, oh, three sets of eight or eight sets of three? Probably three sets of eight. Really? Oh, I don't know. Eight sets of three. I don't want to do either. I want to do three sets of three. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you do, if, the, if that theory is to completely be adhered to, then you really are a tight one. Okay. Yeah. But I'm, don't, yeah. I'm not built like, a, you know, I'm not built as a really, really, really strong athlete. It's just, I think it's possibly a concentration thing or I don't know, maybe a, yeah. I just, yeah. Or busy. That's the other thing, isn't it? You kind of go, I want to just go in and get it done. And get on with it which um so i uh yeah it is it's fine i do i walk every day um do, i've introduced a bit of yoga as uh as we've got a bit of extra time or i've got a bit of extra time at the moment which i'm finding hugely beneficial and actually i've always thought that it would be really complimentary to the powerlifting anyway yeah but not had the time to do it so i'm just using that time to because range of as motions long as, you, as long as you're doing the the strengthening which yeah. complement the added flexibility then yeah it will be really useful i've noticed a lot of the girls have introduced uh, more yoga you know just mm. from the girls i follow now like now in lockdown periods more yoga yeah. um maybe it'd be beneficial for the guys to do it too i think so yeah i mean naturally women have slightly more flexible ligaments i think so that's you know and our hips are just more flexible and things like that generally i say and it that changes generally. with your period right yeah it does yeah for and and um pregnancy and things like that everything yeah. ligaments get more uh lax i suppose so yeah we just have slightly more 
flexible joints, I guess, um, which is good and bad. Obviously, as, as you as you say, I mean, part of the reason, I guess, why maybe that's why ballerinas tend to be female, I suppose. But um, yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you ever so much for your time, Alex. Um, and See, I would like to say as well at the start. The reason I seemed uncomfortable and seemed to have a nervous laugh slash the giggles was because you told me not to laugh. <laughs> I did tell you that. I don't know if you noticed that I was like trying to hide a smirk at the start, <laughs> I was like hiding my face. I have to. And, and after... you told me there was a corny intro, and like then all I could do was think <laughs> about like this corny, this and there wasn't. It wasn't fine, you know. Carry on uh, camping. It's like uh, <laughs> intro. Um, but no, thank you very much for your time. Um, if you don't go anywhere, because I'll stop the recording and try and um, make sure we've got everything before yeah, I let can go. Can I just tell people or ask people to uh, head over to BritishStrengthMagazine.com yeah. and subscribe? It's yeah. three pounds every other month. Um, I don't like to sell something based on how cheap it is, but it's really <laughs> bloody cheap. Even even if you're on lockdown, you can afford it. And actually. Um, <laughs> Actually, the it is interesting not just from a if you are a powerlifter obviously or you've got that interest it is quite interesting from a um it's not quite interesting it's very interesting from a just a general strength and awareness of strength um so some people who do running and do strength and conditioning alongside because you have some really interesting um guest uh writers and, and contributors and the podcasts are great as well as so again from a um really quite varied uh, spectrum of of sports and if you're just interested in the sport it's, it's an interesting um intro into into what goes on and obviously you're that you do nutrition and online coaching as well so if anyone's um looking for online coaching or nutrition i'm sure you could they could hit you up yeah one of the best ways to follow me personally is at big alexander clark on instagram um, and then British Strength Magazine is just at British Strength Magazine on Instagram. Yeah, it has no. its own Instagram as well, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah so head over there and give them a follow. And um, yeah, thanks ever so much for your time, Alex. And thank you for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. Great chatting. Take care.